It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to Trot's Life. I think it's going to be a very special second hour of the show. We've had Rowan Greenland on the CEO of MS Australia, and uh, we talked a little bit about the variety of conditions that there are, and very fortunate we've got two men on the line at the same time, Andrew Littimore and Terry Sinclair. Firstly, Terry, I'll go to you, mate. Uh, how are you and whereabouts are you today? Uh, g'day, Toby. Um, yeah, I'm good, mate, and I'm just at home in Bacchus Marsh. Nice and relaxed, because I've got plenty of time aside for this, so I might take up a half an hour or so of your time, so I hope that's all good, mate. No, that's good. That's good. Thank you. All right. And uh, Andrew Littimore, uh, we won't hold this against you, Andrew, but I think I know where you're going to say where you are, and, and uh, how are you, mate? No, I'm going good, mate. I'm uh, just in Mount Gambier. I've finished a PT session for the day, so that's good. So what's involved? So tell us a little bit. We'll kick off with you, Andrew, and tell us a bit about your condition. And uh, obviously, many people have seen you at the track and and would have seen the photo on Twitter, etc. You're obviously uh, confined to a wheelchair. Yes, I am. Um, I've got what they call secondary progressive multiple sclerosis. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one because. For instance, and I know Terry will talk about his, he's got what they call relaxing remitting. So yep. this is a trot show. I'm going to make a, a trot story. What Terry has is the equivalent of a grand circuit horse. <laughs> Everyone that gets MS wants a grand circuit horse. I've got your run-of-the-mill fast class uh, MS, which is secondary progressive. So Terry's condition can go to what, I've got secondary progressive, but then the third one is primary progressive, and that's like a, a for trots talk. It's like having a maiden or a non-winner. No one wants one. Yeah. So, so yeah, that go on. So so you're almost saying that you're not too bad off here with secondary progressive because you're looking at the maiden non-winner. You're comparing your your condition as a free for all compared to a maiden non-winner. That's glass half full stuff. Well. With the maiden winner, non-winners, that's primary progressive. That's there's no there's no medication out for that, so that's no one wants those. All right. So 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 tell us Where about t- tell us about your treatment and and what you do in medication and and you just said a PT as well and what's involved with all that. Uh, all right. My medication is called Acrevis, and I get that every six months, and it's a intravenous intra your veins in in the hospital. Um, that's the only medication I can take for secondary progressive. And then with the PT, I go and see, see Rob the PT every Wednesday for an hour session. I could be doing uh, an hour of different weights. might be bench press, it might be pull downs, it might just be using the dumbbells. Whereas today was a full hour of cardio getting me all hot and sweaty. Okay, so... The upper body stuff, obviously, uh, the people joke, you know, they do leg day, they do upper body day. Obviously, your upper body is extremely important because you use it a lot more than a lot of other people would. Exactly. And I, I, we concentrate on my upper body strength. 
because I need to be able to wheel myself around over all terrains in, in the wheelchair. Whereas my my legs, like I said to Terry the other day, my legs are there for decoration because I can't use them as such. So so when did it start for you, Andrew? You you, you weren't born this way, I, I assume. And, and when did it all start and how did that all play well, out? I was playing um, high up cricket, not, not state cricket or, or top class district cricket. I was the next rung. And I just had a pinched nerve leading into 2000. And, I think I was diagnosed in 2013. And uh, leading into Christmas, I had a pinched nerve. I hadn't seen the doctor. He said to just rest it for a couple of weeks. Luckily, it was over the Christmas break. So I had a couple of weeks, got back into cricket. Everything was fine. Then we fast forward until August the 26th, I think it was, 2013 or 14. And I was for two weeks leading up to that. Early August, I had pins and needles that went from my left foot up across me, me uh, bum, both bum cheeks and me, and me nether region, yep. and down to me, down me right legs. And I said to Emma and my wife, I can't put up with this. So we got the ball rolling in seeing doctors and in, um, a couple of MRIs, and then being put onto the neurologist. So at this point, mate, is some someone's got some noise or some tap running or something there in the background. Well, it's not me because I'm sitting in the car. That's Terry. That's okay, Tez. Um, so amongst all this, uh, you had a family already started, I assume, 2013-14, or you're in the midst of, of starting a family? No, we had our eldest lad, Preston, Yep. our eldest daughter, Aurora, and Emma was heavily pregnant with our youngest daughter, Zali. Yeah, okay. So you got two kids. <laughs> Mate, that must have been. So that, that diagnosis like and sitting there, just take us back to, to hearing the diagnosis. And you probably knew a little about MS. Like I know a little bit about it. Like most people sort of know something about it without knowing a lot about it. Like just take us back to that, that, sh- that shock we- of it all. We knew nothing about MS. We knew that Emma's got two older kids and they'd done the MS readathon. Um, yeah. But I, with the MRI results, we got the report from that, and Emma's normally big on reading it. She didn't. We went to my parents' place at the time, and Emma got the report out, or the, the pictures and the report, and gave it to my mum. And then she's put, my mum's pulled Emma aside and said, did you read the report? And it's like... Emma goes, no, I didn't. Normally she's straight on top of that, but uh, she said no. And it said in there it was either going to be motor neurons disease or multiple sclerosis. Wow. And MNDs, we know a lot about MND with Neil Denneher, so uh, you would have had to do some research and obviously some more tests to find out exactly which one it was. Yeah, we just um, got, I think we've done another couple of MRIs and it come back clearly... MS, and uh, yeah, and then we um, we went and seen the neuro on the Monday, and he said to us, "Yes, it's MS. You'll hear someone from the local hospital back then, and um, they'll either get you in for three days, stay over, stay in hospital for three days, and get some steroids, which just numbs numbs the symptoms and tries to restart your um, system again as such." Yeah. And then, or they'll just 
get you in as an outpatient. You'll come in for a couple of hours a day to get them. And and, and Emma and I were the unlucky ones that we got called in. That I was going in that Monday night at about five thirty, I think it was. So we dropped the kids off to my parents. We went into into the hospital, bit of a rigmarole to get checked in, and that. And then uh, that was the only time. That was the first time Emma and I had been separated from the minute we started dating. Yeah, okay. Now, mate, how how long from that August 2013 was it till you couldn't walk? Um, I, I was, couldn't... I was, so 2013 up until we've lived in Panola now for coming up four years, and it was probably two years ago from there, so... We say about 2020. I'd say I uh, told me to stop walking. So playing cricket in the in 2000 in early 2013 to seven to six years later, six or seven years later, unable to walk, mate. That that's yep, a, like, that's a bit of a crash course, and we take a lot of people listening to this just taking things for granted, you know. And and who knows? It it could be any any one of us tomorrow or the next day start getting those pins and needles like you did. Exactly, and it's good. Like I've said to Terry, because we've actually met Terry, yep. uh, the good thing we'll is there. no one with MS suffers the same symptoms. Yep. So, so I believe it's a good conversation starter. If you've got a room full of MS sufferers, you're not going to have the same symptoms as what the next person has. Whereas if you've got cancer or something, you all go through the same, uh, the unfortunate same process. Well, well, that's a great. Whereas, whereas with it. Yeah, go on. It's a great lead-in. We'll bring Terry into the conversation. Terry, I know you would be well aware of all of what Andrew said, no doubt, but uh, just just fill us in on, on how you got diagnosed and what your symptoms are. Um, yeah, no, Andrew's on pretty, pretty much covered everything. No, so with me, it was uh, initially um, pins and needles um, to within three days, um, being diagnosed, they thought I had a stroke. I was in hospital, and uh, yeah, from there I had a really good uh, local GP who refused um, the initial diagnosis because there was no, I wasn't given any tests, any MRIs or CT scans, nothing, and um, he pushed it, and uh, yeah, so I went from there, and it was initially um, a possible stroke or possible MS um, to him pushing it with. Um, uh, one of the MRI special, one of the, one of the MS uh, professors, and um, he initially said, "Impossible. I don't think you've got it. You're, I was 50 at the time. Yeah. Um, your age, you work outdoors, you this, you that. Um, I doubt it, but we'll we'll do another another MRI on your neck, and yeah, it was pretty much from there from from there on in. That was where the diagnosis started. And how did it change your life? I know you mentioned it last time we had you on, but it but it had an instant effect. Um, was, there was a range of emotions. You start out um, not knowing about it, and um, uh, yeah, reading different things and different social media posts and this and that, and um, am I going to end up and um, end up in a wheelchair? Um, my partner was going through a lot of emotions as well. So, um, yeah, so Emma, 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 Emma Andrews' wife would know exactly um, what my partner was thinking. It's like she's living that 
that uh, nightmare now. In, so um yeah I um yeah come. In what sense is she living that nightmare now? Um, well that's not a night. Well it's not probably not a nightmare, but a fear that sort of like um hovers. You know that Andrew's um Andrew's got the wheelchair. He's in the wheelchair and um uh Andrew's um reliant on Emma. Yeah. Um, I dare say. Um, but in saying that Emma's um. Emma's been. I've met Emma and Andrew, and um, and Emma is um just a rock. She's fantastic. It, it's it's not unfamiliar to me. I, I don't know if you heard the top of the show, but my father was wheelchair bound his whole life, so uh, he was relying upon my mother too. So, uh, this good spot for a break, gents. We'll have a little break for four minutes. We'll come back the other side. We'll just change tact a little bit and and go to the harness racing element and what harness racing's done uh, for you both at, at, through your journeys. Welcome back to Trot's Life with Toby McKinnon. I've got Terry Sinclair and Andrew Littimore on the line. And Terry, uh, to you first, uh, you got this diagnosis. And I remember last time on air, you said something like they stopped you from doing a few things, but they couldn't stop you from working a horse. Yeah, I, will, I was advised not to drive. Um, Cars, uh, cars, or car, cars. You mean drive, drive cars. Yeah, drive cars. Um, I was granted with work. I was um doing telecommunications, like climbing roofs. I was pretty much yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. And um, yeah, pretty much the only, the only thing I could, the only thing I could do was um, yeah, work my horse. So he, you've, that was about it. you got this horse, Plain Ed. You, you had a winner back in 0304 and you've bobbed up with a few runners here and there and. Uh, you brought Plain Ed through, and he's he's had the four starts, mate. How much does he mean to you, this horse? Um, yeah, Ed, Ed's very special. He, he's 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 no superstar, but he's got a he's just got this personality. He's always at the gate. He's always waiting for you. Um, he, he throws his head he throws his head into the head collar. He wants to do he wants to be there. He he's, he means everything to me. He means the world. Um, yeah. And I don't care. So, like, I'd love to see him win a race, but um, he, he he loves to go around. He he loves he he loves the competitiveness. He's um yeah, he's got a few quirks, but yeah. Is he far off racing? Is he far off racing again? He had those few runs earlier in the season. He ran fourth last start. He's not far off when he races. Win him one. You know, he's not far off. He's, I'm hoping um about another two more weeks, and we'll we'll start looking for a race in about two to three weeks. Very good. And Andrew, take us a little bit through your involvement in harness racing. When did your passion for harness racing start and, and what fostered that? Uh, I went to high school with a bloke whose cousin was former trainer in South Australia, Terry Hoare. Yeah, okay. So I I went out to the stables with him and, and got that's how I got the uh, got the bug there. He used to be stabled at old uh, the late Dick White's property on uh, Port Wakefield Road. Okay, so, so that was about a kilometre, about a kilometre from Globe Derby itself. So, did you have a few horses and stuff as a younger as a younger lad, or anything like that, or just having a punt? No, it was, it was more the punt. I had a a, a late uncle that was a, a all right jockey in, in the southeast round Mount Gambia way. Yeah, yeah. But apart from that, I just once I got to the punting age, I just like to have a punt every so often on the trots, and then it just yeah, it just went from there. And you started going to the trots, and you got shares in a couple of horses that I know of, the Interceptor and Wendy's Watching. Are they the only two you've had shares in? Uh, 
No, nah, I've actually bought off of um, David Miles's parents, Bally Cotton. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She won. She won. She won one for me, but I had a few uh, mates in it that I used to work with, and they sort of tried dictating where she raced and who she, who trained her and whatnot. So I sold her. Yeah, yeah. Um, I bought a horse off of Ashley Matthews called Meg's Classic. Yeah, yeah. She won. She won four for me, I reckon. Yep. Then in the process of that, I bought a horse with. Uh, Barry Preston's uncle Alan Preston called the Red Team. She only had a couple of starts for us, and uh, I think, don't think she won a race for us. I might have lost patience with her at the time. So, so um, ha- having a f- share in a few horses is it just a beautiful distraction away from the challenges you're, you're facing life? Oh, it is because if it wasn't for the horses, Emma and I would never have met. We, I seen her at the trots one night when my uncle was living in Australia, Mark Liddymore, that used to call the trots sparingly in South Australia. Mm-hmm. I yeah. used to used to go to the trots on a Saturday night after playing cricket. Potentially had a guts full of beer at the time. Yeah. And I said to Mark, I said to Mark, "Who's that?" He goes, "Oh, that's Emma Such, and she's tied up with Such and Such." I said, "All right." So I stalked her on Facebook and uh, <laughs> met her at the met her at the trots one night. And the rest is history. Very good, mate. So, so tell us a little story about the Interceptor. Our great friend of the program, Stevie Black, is in that horse as well. Yeah, we would we've got to know Stevie through uh, Michael Gadsden and Denby Wade. Yep. And I just messaged him on Twitter one day and said, "Mate, can we get his horses?" And I said, "Can we get into a like, Lisa share?" And yeah, I've got one coming from New Zealand. Check it out. So we jumped at the chance. We only got a five percent share, but that's all. We just buy it, get shares that we can manage. And when and when apart he's, from that, yeah. And when he's watching with Clint yep. McSwain, tell us about that one. I met Clint a um, number of years ago when I was working for prominent South Australian trainer Jill Nielsen. Oh yeah. And he come over with um, oh, his trotters now a broodmare, and I can't think of her name. Doesn't matter. But. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter. She he come over to race her in a in a race series in SA, and he stayed at Jules. So we've just stayed in contact then and there, and, and on Facebook, and he put a post up on his page about leasing this horse, and Emma and I took a five percent share in her as well. Got a bit frustrated early on, not not with Clint, but just the way that Wendy was racing as a two year old, and a, and an early three year old. But come late three year old and early four year old, she's the the uh, she's starting to put it all together. Yeah, she's been racing terrifically this season. She's won thirteen starts, four wins, four placings. Yeah, covering the bills. Covering the bills. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, was it was it special when she won at Horsham because you're able to be there? Oh, it was indeed. It was, and we said we said to Clint, we we're going to this meeting, and he goes, well, I'm going to reluctantly nominate the, a two year old and Wendy. But he said I needed to, a travelling companion for the two-year-old, so we uh, he chucked her on board, and yeah, the rest is history. Now, take us, Terry. Uh, you were on the radio last year, which I don't think you, you love being on the radio, but I've forced you into it twice now. You come on the radio, and uh, how did you end up meeting Andrew? Um, well, there was a connection uh, through this show, actually, Toby. Thank you very much. Um, 
So from there, Andrew and I have um, been conversing via uh, Facebook Messenger and Twitter and the likes, and um, we finally met up about three weeks ago. Andrew, uh, there's a bit more to it than just finally met up. You were coming to Victoria, and uh, where did you stay? Uh, we stayed at Terry's house, actually, Terry and Gail's house. We'd, uh, we'd planned to come over and stay at the Bacchus Marsh Caravan Park, and which is, coincidentally is not far from Terry's. Hmm. And we told Terry about it. He goes, yeah, I've done some work there, and it's not suitable. You, Emma, and the five kids are staying here. End of story. End of story. So you'd never met each other at this stage? No. Just rocked up to his place, and obviously with with his job, he goes, I might not be home. Gail's working. Going to have leave the key in such and such a place. Make yourself at home. There's Coke in the fridge. There's Foxtel there. Just un- unload the car and make yourself at home. So you stole, you stole half his possessions and took off? No, they were too heavy. <laughs> yeah, too heavy. You didn't do enough PT work. That's your problem. Uh, no, I had a week. I had, to, I had to take a week off to so I could go on holidays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it must have been pretty, pretty nice to spend the week together. Or, or I don't know if it was a full week, but but spend some quality time together and and just share each other's stories and create that connection and that bond you've developed over the last year. Either of you? Oh yeah, it's been it's been fantastic. Terry? Yeah, no, look, it has been fantastic meeting Andrew, Emma, um, and these five beautiful kids. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, being able to just talk and just, like, we've got interesting horse racing, cricket, um, just everything. So it's been really good um, making this connection and, um, yeah, lifelong friendship. Very good, gents. Thanks uh, so much for coming on to the program, both of you. It was a little bit different sort of trying to do you both at the same time, but I think it's worked well. And um, it's a real badge of honour for this show, uh, what's happened out of uh, Trot's life, that you've become friends and, and sharing sharing so many uh, commonalities between each other and creating that connection. And uh, of everything I've done over this show over the last sort of 18 months, that's uh, it's I'm pretty sure it's number one. I can't think of anything any better. So, um, congrats to you both, and thanks so much for coming on. That's all right. One last thing, Toby. Yep. Yeah, look, thanks very much, Toby. Can, um, can I just say, you're doing without my Hang on, you're both going at the same time. Andrew, go first. Without my wife's support and everything she does for me, I wouldn't be in the situation I am today. Thank you, Andrew. And Terry, sorry, mate. Yeah, no, Toby, I just wanted to thank you very much for um for, you, for what you're doing for MS and the awareness and the sport for the, for the people. Um, yeah, and um, all the connections that have been made. Thank you very much, both of you. Um, I look forward to seeing you both soon. Thank you. So there's... No worries. Thank you. Terry Sinclair and Andrew Littermore. A couple of uh, people I've developed a relationship with and they both suffer from MS and World MS Day is on Monday, May 30, next Monday. The theme is uh, connections and whether you've got MS or not, let's 
just take a step back and, and value those connections and those relationships we have. And, and that's what harness racing is about. I know uh, there's an element of professionalism in it and, and a person like Greg Sugars or Chris Alford, I use them as just examples as professionals or James Herbertson, you, you're not only in your workplace, you're creating those connections and friendships and relationships with people. There's a, there's a lovely group, uh, chat I have, uh, on my phone with, uh, Stevie Blacker, who won't mind me saying he's in his fifties myself. I'm in my forties. Uh, Mick Gadsden's in his thirties and James Herbertson is in his twenties, a variety of people within harness racing. And it just shows the connections that can be made. And just through the commonality, we're not in similar age brackets. We live all over the state, but uh, those connections are made. And, and I look at, uh, at, at Terry and at Andrew and, uh, what they've done and been able to connect uh, in the face of adversity as well. And it must be somewhat hard for Terry uh, to look at Andrew and seeing him in that wheelchair and, and knowing that, that that's, there's a, po- a real possibility um, that, that could end up, uh, you know, his, his wife lives in fear, I suppose, of, of uh, Terry himself being in a wheelchair. And uh, Terry, just keep training that horse for as long as you can, mate. And boy, I hope Plain Ed can win a race soon. <laughs> It'll be very special when he does. The Patrick from Melton. Great work, Toby, getting Andrew and Terry on, and good luck to them in general and their harness endeavours. Thank you, Patrick. And no doubt, Pat, uh, both of them wish you well as well. I know you had your first drive the other day. That is the story of Andrew Littimore and Terry Sinclair that we heard from on May 25, 2022. What a beautiful story it was as well. And let's get to the 12.30 news. We'll come back the other side. A little change of speed with Christy Butler and Jamie Cockshut, who we're caught up with at some stage throughout the year. Uh, actually, we'll have that in front of you. May 20 it was, so it was only a few days before the Andrew Littlemore one. And this is a good fun chat about Samillion Beach, their horse.